Welcome to Shelf Life from Bristol Libraries. In this episode, we talk with Jill Parsons from Emela about Book Jam, their creative project with children at St Paul's Library. We start by chatting about what books we've been reading, and then we ask Jill all about the Book Jam project. We then introduce a new feature, Dear Shelf Life, in which Jill asks us about books for young people's wellbeing. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shelf Life. Hello and welcome to Shelf Life, Bristol Library's podcast. I'm here with my colleagues, Paul. Hi, Mabina. And Sean. Hi. And in this episode, we're going to be talking to Jill Parsons. Hello, good morning. Um, just to quickly say, Catherine's not with us today as she's taking a break from the podcast to focus on the online events that we're doing. Uh, so Jill, you're involved with Emela. Could you please briefly tell us who are Emela and what do they do? Okay, so Emela are based in inner city Bristol and they work with families, children and young people using a combination of nature and the creative arts. So they do a lot of supportive work and they take people out on camps and they do residential trips and cultural and outdoor activities with them. Cool. So we'll be talking about that and specifically about the work that you did in St Paul's Library over the summer of 2020. So before we get started with talking with Jill about the project, let's kind of warm up by talking about what we've been reading, if anything. So, yeah, has anybody been reading anything that you want to talk about? Can I go first? I've really, really been enjoying the book that I've been reading. Yay! Yeah, it's called Mexican Gothic and it's by the author Silvia Moreno-Garcia. It is a haunted house novel which is set in Mexico. I haven't really read much like this before, but I'd been seeing it being recommended on Goodreads and on Instagram, finding it really enjoyable and finding it a bit confusing because it goes really extensively into the family history of this this haunted house. But I'm about halfway through and I'm really enjoying it and I definitely recommend it if if you get the chance. Sounds good, yeah. Yeah, I think that might be finding its way onto my list. Yeah, definitely. I have in no surprise to anybody, started a couple of things that I have not finished through no fault of the book or the author at all. I just, for some reason, haven't got to the end of it. I did do a stellar story time reading of Aliens Love Underpants, who we all be thrilled to know. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, it was. It was It was one of my best performances ever. What can I say? Um, but I have just got a copy of a new edition of the letters between Virginia Woolf and Vita Sackville West, which I'm really excited about because I've read them before, but they're, they're kind of one of my favourite collections of letters between two people. And this edition is slightly different in that they've kind of put um, diary extracts in from both of them as well. So it talks about the meeting, how they met and dinners and then the exchange of letters between them. They're just fantastic. So I'm very excited about reading those. That sounds good. Um, yeah, Mabina, actually, in the last episode, you were saying how you wanted to set yourself the challenge of like trying to read a book a month. Yes. How are you feeling about that challenge? Well, I've missed a month, so yeah. either I read two to make up for it, or <laughs> I cut myself some slack and just, you know, keep reading little bits and hope to come to the end of something at some stage. Yeah, I don't know. That sounds like a healthy approach, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of torn between being really like strict with myself and regimented and saying, right, you know, everything's off at seven o'clock and you're going to spend the hour reading, which isn't really a hardship, but for some reason doesn't really ever happen. So we shall see. Paul, what are you reading? Well, I, I've actually been struggling to read. I've been watching a lot more TV than I have been reading books. Yeah. Though actually that's kind of got me back into reading in a way because... I was watching like lots of Star Wars and Avengers films and, and things. And so that got me reading some of the Avengers comics. And so I've been getting into 
the unbeatable squirrel girl and Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel. I love Kamala Khan. Yes, great. So something I like about both of those is they're really funny. That kind of keeps me going. And yeah, Kamala Khan, like the artwork in in those is much more fluid than a lot of the other ones. And yeah, some good character development. I just really love the fact that one, there was a superhero that had the same surname as me, which is rarer than you think. And I was like a Muslim brown girl out there doing excellent stuff. I was really, really, really chuffed when those came out. Yeah, and that's actually being made into a series, so going to watch that when it comes out. I can't believe they didn't cast me. <laughs> Shocked and appalled that they didn't cast me. The injustice. I know. Jill, are you reading anything at the moment? I'm reading a huge pile of books. I'm studying a course in eco-psychology, so I'm kind of like I've got a pile of books by my bed that I'm ducking in and out of, but I'm reading um, Coming Back to Life is a good one at the moment by Jonah Macy and Molly Brown. And it's a lot about how we deal with climate change and how we engage with that in positive ways rather than getting sort of overwhelmed. So some really lovely exercises. And I've just found she's got a section on working with children and young people. So I'm really excited to try and do some of that work with the, with the children that I work with. So that'll be a really, really positive way of kind of engaging with what's going on and dealing with the sort of stress of it all in a positive way. It sounds just up your street. Yeah, it's brilliant. She's such a good writer as well. They both are brilliant. So yeah, I recommend that. Yeah, I've not read any Joanna Macy, but I have heard her name. And I went to a workshop once that was inspired by her work. And I found that quite powerful and a good way of, like like you say, connecting with really difficult ideas and emotions about big, difficult subjects in a like productive, inspiring way. Well, it's quite nice to come at it from an emotional place rather than from a purely intellectual place. And I think we often forget to do that in our culture. So I think those workshops create a framework for that. So they're, they're fantastic. Yeah, really, really good work. Brilliant. Okay, well, shall we get to the main interview of, yeah, if Jill, if you're up for telling us more about, about your project. Yeah, fantastic. So uh, Emela invited me to come and lead a project called Book Jam with children from sort of seven to 11 years old. But initially, it was funded by the Libraries Innovation Fund. So we were going to be working at St. Paul's Library. And then, of course, COVID hit. So we had to rethink and we decided to still use that area. I had to kind of rethink more creative ways, more outdoor ways of of working with the children. Because they were more vulnerable kids, I did want to start the project. And so we did start in August because I felt that obviously they weren't in school, so they weren't getting that that time and that support. So, yeah, I was like, I had to think of ways to kind of start children reading and engaging with literacy outdoors and in sort of the outside spaces around St. Paul's which was a good challenge. Yeah, interesting time to try and do that. So, so yeah, can you tell us a bit more, what did you do in the project? So I decided to start with ways of getting kids running around and reading at the same time. So I started with a, a trail and I knew that a lot of kids were struggling a lot with lockdown. So we decided to do time capsules. So I started with a trail where they found out clues about other children who'd written diaries in, in some exceptional circumstances. So people like Anne Frank and we had we also looked at Diary of a Wimpy Kid but quite a few war diaries the Diary of Flossie Albright uh, my secret war diary things like that so we kind of found clues out about these different diarists children diarists and then they made their own little time capsules back at the learning centre and we looked at things like shadow puppetry so again we went to St Agnes Park which is nice and nearby and we read uh, an Aboriginal story called The Rainbow Serpent we talked a bit about song lines about how different landmarks have different meanings to Aboriginal people. So we went around the whole park and we created our own stories and our own song lines around the park. And then we built shadow puppet theatres and created stories. And again, that was an idea they could take those home and then they'd have a way of storytelling and creating their own ideas at home if we had another lockdown, which of course we have. And then we started to play around with the idea of a mailer TV. So we started making little short film clips and telling murder mysteries and 
finding evidence and clues again, sort of getting them running around and having to find clues and bits of paper. They had to read things and put it all together. And so they got to do some acting and some dancing and some storytelling again, but filming it and using their own creativity to create stories. Sounds wonderful. It sounds really, really wholesome and nice. Yeah. It was nice bouncing off them and seeing where their curiosity led them, I think. Yeah, I find it interesting, like, the way you talk about it, you say, like, we created this, we made these stories. Like, it sounds really collaborative. Yeah. I mean, I think if I'd come in with a plan, it would have been quite dull, but I think that bouncing off what they were curious about and where they where their energy went. So, you know, I'd realised quite early on there were quite a few big big characters and big performers in the group so that hence the Amela TV is like, well, maybe we can play with that. Maybe that's okay. So great. Create a script. How, what do you want to act? What do you want to be? And it doesn't take a lot to create. We created a sort of news bulletin and it doesn't take very much to kind of create the sense of a little news bulletin and one of them pretending to be a little newsreader with a little jacket and a few props and, you know, they're away. So it was really good fun and, and largely led by play. And then you sort of see where you end up. And of course, the literacy is always weaving itself in throughout the project. So it was it was a lot of fun. Cool. And I like the idea of them them getting to tell those stories, like, say, a time capsule. It's like you're telling the story of your time. And so, yeah, giving young people a platform to to tell that story and not just be told that story to them, I guess. Yeah. And it was interesting, the things that had stood out for them, you know, a lot of them wanted to talk about having a birthday in lockdown. One of them drew a picture that was made me want to cry it was her and her little friend and it said little speech bubble saying I want to hug you but I can't and you know it's kind of like actually these little things that that jump out for children and the idea as well of giving some meaning to it it's like okay it's tough at the moment but hey one day you'll talk to your grandchildren about this or you know you'll, you'll be talking to children in the future so it kind of puts it in context as well managed to get some nice bits from scrap stores so they could build these little time capsules these little boxes and there was lots of art in there and drawings and lots of little lots of little self-portraits with masks that they made that they could put on and off and you know, they had some quite cute little ideas but yeah nice to see how different they were as well mm. so they love doing anything creative a lot of the kids they love making so it's nice to weave that into it as well yeah, and so it's like a good way of processing, like you maybe didn't shy away from some of the, the lonely feelings and the darker feelings. Like we were talking about with Joanna Macy, maybe, yeah, finding a creative way to process some of those emotions. Well, it was quite nice because when we, we read some extracts from the diary of Anne Frank and, you know, how she called her diary Kitty and she talked to that diary and that became her friend. And so I sort of wanted to get that across that, you know, there's actually writing can be really, really helpful and a really good way of processing stuff. And yeah that that's something that's accessible and available to you at any time yeah so you mentioned reading and writing and looking at these diaries and literacy and obviously it happened in a library so how yeah how do you sort of I guess engage children with books and reading and libraries I think trying to be well for some we actually weren't able to get into St Paul's library so we could see it from the outside but we were having to use a hall because of course the libraries all had to close because of Covid so what was really helpful was that Dennis Wise came along from the libraries and he brought books for the children every week so that they were able to sign up and they were able to access them and when Central Library was open we were able to help some of the families to get down there and get books which was great but I think my main thing was to try and get them inspired first and then to come back and choose stories. And I think that worked really well. So running with what they were excited by. So, you know, if a child's excited by nature, you can run along that theme. And then if a child's more interested in murder mysteries or adventures, you can sort of follow that theme and then recommend books that they're they're going to enjoy. But there was a real mix in the group. Some children love reading anyway, and some children are much, much more resistant. And for them, things like comics and graphic novels were 
a good way and actually they did enjoy mm. that right. what sort of ages were you working with so the youngest I think probably about seven is our youngest up to about ten yeah so something I'm interested in is maybe what did you learn from it like what surprised you and, and yeah what did you learn so for me I, I sort of know this anyway but it's just a, a constant reminder to follow the energy of a group and to see what they come up with so we had a couple of boys with us for a while, for a while who um were really interested in TikTok and I thought oh that's not a very you know that's not something that I particularly would work with but actually letting them run with that they then started to produce their own dances and then I realized these dancers were really creative and that they were telling a story and there was a lot of facial expression and there was a, there was a lot of storytelling in their movement and I sort of actually realized we started to film it and they created their own little film of these dancers and I realized that for them that was their way of storytelling so actually starting with where the child is at and then kind of creatively kind of weaving alongside it to take it into a more positive direction was a really good way and you know just remembering that children are amazing storytellers I mean that was the other thing that surprised me how how many great ideas these kids had as soon as we got them outside and they were just you know the storytelling around the park they just had so many great ideas about what every landmark could be and you know it was, it was actually trying to stop them at the end of the session mm-hmm. it's like okay guys we've got to stop now we've got to go back inside so yeah how amazingly creative children are when they're given a chance Nice. Uh, it reminds me actually of some conversations that me and Mabina have had about sort of community development and, and our work in libraries and how to, you know, go into communities in a, like in a collaborative way and not doing things to them, but doing things with them and being aware of the, you know, the, the power dynamic that's going on there and so on. It sounds like find quite interesting ways of doing that and responding to what's what people are already doing and already into. and Yeah, because people know their own medicine, don't they? People know what they want. They know what they're excited by. And if you can start with that, then, of course, you can bring other things in. But it's it's the best starting point, isn't it? Absolutely, to start with where people are at. And have you got plans or ideas for current projects or future projects? Yeah, so um, Emela is supporting the project to carry on for now. It was proving really helpful for, for the children. So we're working in an outdoor space at the moment. And I'm sort of bringing in more environmental literacy and emotional literacy as well. So we're doing lots of trails. We're trying to find out about what lives in our environment. Again, we're sort of like bits of literacy, but weaving that around a space. So this week we were learning about mammals, did a bit of a mammal trail and making fires and building their confidence up that way. And I'm looking at The Lost Words, that fantastic book big beautiful book of poetry so we're going to do some acrostic poems about some of the wildlife that they find and I want them to create a wildlife journal a wildlife book from this from this section of the project so yeah finding out where they're again what they're interested in and and writing bits about that and some poetry and some art and we made snowdrops the first week and we broke little intentions on the leaves so we're sort of setting the seeds for what we want to learn in this project. Nice. So that was the Robert McFarlane and Jackie Morris book, was yes. it? Yes. Yes, brilliant. It's absolutely beautiful. The artwork in there is fantastic as well. So I think we'll definitely do some beautiful paintings as well on the basis of that. Nice. Yeah, Mabina and Chan, did you have anything you wanted to ask Jill? I was just thinking, like, it's so lovely listening to you. You sound like it was such an engaging project, you know, and, and continues to be. And I was I was just wordless throughout that all because it's just so enjoyable listening to you talk about how enjoyable a project that was. Yeah, they're such fun children and it's been really nice working with quite a small group in a way and actually just becoming like a, a, a team, you know, and actually having each other's backs and really working on that as well. And yeah, they're just fun. You know, as soon as you turn up, you know you're going to have a, a good time, which is really lovely. I was wondering how the children reacted to reading the diaries that you... So 
you know, the Diary of Anne Frank is quite, there's kind of emotions that most of us would recognise in there about, you know, longing or, you know, feeling annoyed with your parents and why does nobody listen to me and that kind of stuff. And then obviously there's this huge thing of, you know, we're in the middle of a war and we're hiding in an attic and we can't make any noise and can't be seen and all the rest of it. Yeah, I was just interested to see how they would react to those kind of accounts. Well, I was quite selective of the bits that I read them. So I, I took extracts and I talked about it. So, you know, I did explain what she was going through, but I, I, because of the, the age of the group, I didn't go too much down the sort of, the, all of the sort of the horrible things that happened to Anne. But yeah, I think we just kept it quite light. And we just talked in a more general way about, you know, people have kept diaries through some really difficult times and, and, you know, I guess it's, our, well, for my generation, our grandparents' time that, you know, they, they were going through this. So every few generations, we do have tough things to go through. And, yeah, but you can make you know, personal so- meaning of it, I suppose, if you write about it and you, you create this sort of friends that you can talk to and say anything to, and that's okay. Do you know if any of them started keeping a diary or started writing in that way? I'm not sure if they've added to their... They were very proud of their the little bits they had written, their little time capsules. I don't know if they're still writing. It'd be interesting to know if any of them are. Because yeah. um, I know some of them, as I say, do have a bit of a resistance to, to sitting down and writing. And I think particularly at the moment, a lot of children are struggling because so many of them are home learning now. Yes. With that real block around, you know, around writing. So it is having to be a bit more canny about dripping these things in. It's good to chat to them about that and see if they are. It's just really lovely to see how enthusiastic you are about it. And, you know, as someone who also has kind of had some experience of sort of trying to get people into the library or just people engaging with literacy and things, it's it's really phenomenal to see how, one, how much you really, obviously, you know, your love for it really shines through, but also how, you know, agile you are with it and how nimble and how you're kind of able to take a group of people who some, um, you mentioned some aren't really, some are quite resistant to reading and really engage with them in a really creative way. So I'm kind of in awe, really, as well, apart from anything else. It's a real privilege to be able to actually work with a group like this, because I, I have been a teacher as well. And I know that obviously when you're in a classroom, you often can't do that. You, you've got 30 children and you have to keep to a scheme of work and everything. So yeah. when I get the chance to to follow what kids are interested in, it's, it's a lot more fun <laughs> and a lot more rewarding. Yeah, so I do really enjoy it. Cool. Um, d- did you have... Yeah, anybody else have anything to add before we move on to the next section? I think we're just all in all of you. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be hitting you up for tips after uh, we've finished recording. (laughs) We're launching a new feature called Dear Shelf Life, which is in the style of an advice column. We believe in the power of reading for well-being and helping us tackle some of life's problems. We'd like to hear from you, the listener, about how we can help you with just the right book recommendation. We aren't mental health professionals or anything like that. We are passionate and experienced library workers and readers. And between us, we can come up with some solid book recommendations for what ails you. So without oversharing or making it too personal, please get in touch with your dear Shelf Life query and we may answer it in a future episode with a literary remedy. You can email us at library.ideas at bristol.gov.uk. To start off, we have a question from Jill. Thank you, Jill. Yeah, so I've um, been looking at a lot of young people are really struggling with their mental health at the moment, and there's been a lot about that in the in the papers. And I was wondering what would be a good book for young people aged sort of 11 to 16 
to support that. So whether it's it's help, practical help, or whether it's emotional help, or whether it's just escapism, what would you recommend to a young person who's struggling with their mental health at the moment? So there's a couple of different ways we can answer this. There is a really great collection of books as part of the books on prescription scheme that's run by the reading agency called Reading Well, Shelf Help. And there's a very long URL that we can link to in our um, class blurb, but it's basically available on the reading-well.org.uk site. And it's a huge list of um, different types of books that can help young people with their mental health. And some of them are quite factual and talk about things like ADHD or dealing with anxiety. And there are some fiction recommendations there as well. So kind of depending on whether you want something that's really practical and, you know, sort of quite informative or whether you want something that's kind of something that just kind of goes with you and you can process your feelings while reading about somebody else processing their feelings. Personal recommendation wise, um, Anything by Rainbow Roll is really, really good. And I particularly recommend Fangirl, which I think I talked about in the last podcast, but it really is a fantastic book. A lot of that is about dealing with anxiety and self-esteem, I think, and sort of carving out your own identity. John Green is also really, really good for this kind of thing. Um, And YA literature generally as a whole is fabulous for dealing with, you know, issues in a really non-judgmental way. So I canvassed Twitter very, very quickly for some recommendations as well. And Indigo Donut by Patrice Lawrence was mentioned. And so was Turtles All the Way Down by John Green. Yeah, I've, I've met Patrice Lawrence, actually. She's brilliant. She came and did some talks in libraries uh, oh, to yeah. young people. And uh, yeah, they got properly engaged with it. And talks about yeah, how she deals with, with different issues, but, you know, also likes to tell a good story. And that, that kind of comes across in her writing. Yeah, it kind of depends on the type of book that you're looking for, but... I'm, you know, a very firm believer in literature holding of, you know, any description. I'm saying literature, but, you know, books or graphic novels or poems, in particular poems. I think they're a really underused resource. It's quite emotional as, again, a way to really tap into a moment of emotion, can't it? Yeah, there's a really fabulous anthology um, called Set Me on Fire, a poem for every feeling. And it's edited by Ella Risbridger, who's fabulous also. And she has a real eye and ear for poetry i think one of the the other great things about poems is they feel inaccessible (laughs) but i think once you try one if you when you try the right one i guess it kind of opens up this whole world that you you know didn't consider before necessarily so poetry anthologies are a really really good way to start so essential poems to fall in love with that's a really great one so any kind of relationship woe you might have she has a poem for it in this It's a really lovely way to start the day as well, isn't it? To read a sort of inspiring poem and start on a positive, yeah. Yeah, there's a really, I mean, love poetry is really fabulous because because of what it is, I think. Um, There's a really great one by Vicky Thiever called Love Poem. Uh, And it's, it's really short and it just goes, Sharing one umbrella, we have to hold each other around the waist to keep together. You ask me why I'm smiling. It's because I'm thinking I want it to rain forever. Yeah, it's uh, so yeah, big poetry fan. Yeah, no. I've gone all gooey. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> it's probably a bit early in the morning for those. Actually, Sean, did you have any responses to Jill's dear shelf life question? Unfortunately, I didn't. I haven't read much young adult stuff in a long while. I was really, really keen to hear uh, Mabina's answer because I know that she's so up to date on all of the young adult fiction. I, w- I wish I was a little bit more up to date. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get there. 
But yeah, I, I definitely second John Green. I read quite a bit of his work when I was a bit younger. And yeah. <laughs> I am going to get you all to read Rainbow Girl Fangirl before too long. Because it is just a, such a fabulous, fabulous book. But she writes really well about that kind of thing. Um, Eleanor and Park is another um, novel that she's written that's kind of about identity and not really fitting in anywhere and what it's like when your situation at home isn't quite secure, which is also kind of a theme of Fangirl as well. So it's, yeah, I can't recommend her highly enough. She's fantastic. Yeah, some of the young people I work with talked a bit about Jacqueline Wilson as well from really liking the fact yeah. that she talks mm. about families that one of them said to me, it's like my family. You yeah. know, and there, there was that feeling She's of like, amazing. yeah, you don't always want to read this sort of, everybody's lovely, everything's great. Actually, sometimes yeah, it's want, not. It's not. And sometimes kids do want to read or young people yeah. do want to read stuff that they can relate to. She's really fantastic at, I think, capturing that whole thing of being, some of her younger works, of being a kid and knowing that something's not quite right, but not knowing what to do about it or how to, or who to tell about it. She's really fabulous as a writer. And I, I know lots of my daughter was obsessed with Hetty Feather for a while, but things like The Illustrated Mum, Vicky Angel, I think was another one. Oh, really. I remember that. I remember crying a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but even things like, you know, going back a few hundred years, even things like The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, which is something that I think most children, I don't know if you still read it in year seven when you start RE, which is what we had to do. But it's one of those books that I think children probably get bought a lot or recommended a lot. And this, even in that, there's still things I think are universal, speak to the universal human experience. So there's there's a bit where Edmund and Lucy have now both gone through the wardrobe and come back. And Lucy runs to tell her older brothers and sisters that, you know, look, it's real. Edmund's been to. Narnia is real. And Edmund just goes, what are you talking about? It was just a game, Lucy. And she's just like, you just, I can still remember. I have brothers. This is possibly why. But you, you can still just remember her crushing kind of, how could you, how could you not back me up? Why are you like, yeah, it's amazing. So I loved The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. All of the, all of the Narnia yeah. books, the C.S. Lewis stuff. Yeah, I absolutely loved that as a kid. Yeah, it kind of makes me think of the uh, Philip Pullman books as well the northern lights yeah i think there's lots in there as well about identity and figuring out who you are and how you kind of fit into the world and i mean we're saying young adult fiction but that's a fairly i think i don't think it matters what age you are that's a fairly universal thing that people struggle with you know at any age you can be wondering who am i where do i fit into the world or this particular situation this particular place that i'm in and literature can be a really big help with that or it can be a really good way of avoiding answering the question entirely i'm kind of happy with either <laughs> wow mbino i think you did a really good job of answering that question i i want Sorry. to second the shelf help actually from reading well because that we've got those books i think in all of our libraries and we've got them in a lot of secondary schools yeah. in bristol as, as well but yeah so that that's the dear shelf life concept so so our listeners if any of you have a question for us you know get in touch if you've got any ailments or questions about what book you want to read for this or that you know we're not we're obviously not mental health professionals in any way shape or form but we can give some book recommendations so do kind of get in touch and be dear shelf life with your question and we'll try and answer it on a future podcast episode you can get in touch with us via social media and use the hashtag dear shelf life or you can email us at library.ideas at bristol.gov.uk 
Yes. Thank you so much, Jill, for joining us. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that today. Yeah, it was really great speaking to you. <laughs> you were very inspiring. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Lovely to come along. So, yeah, M- Mabina, did you want to kind of, in the absence of Catherine, do you want to do the, the wrapping up bit at the end? Yeah. So thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch, you can reach us on the usual social media channels using the hashtag Shelf Life Bristol. We'd like to give a shout out to Luke, a volunteer for editing this episode, and Will, who's a library assistant at Avon, for his work helping with polishing off all our episodes. Also, huge thanks to Dan Davies for the theme tune and to Ollie, a library assistant at Knoll, for the transitional music. Thanks for listening. Bye now. Bye. 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 Thank you for joining us for this episode of Shelf Life. Please subscribe, rate and review us wherever you listen. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at library.ideas at bristol.gov.uk. Or find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Bristol Libraries. We hope to see you again for the next episode of Shelf Life.